0: film nerds podcast i'm alex i'm nick i'm tim i'm willie today we're going to be talking about what we've been watching we're going to discuss some film news in the form of what we think the future of the movie industry is going to look like and then after that we have reached into the multiverse to see some movies that we would have seen in 2020 if they had not been delayed and we're going to give you some quick reviews but before we get to all that feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com please write in Let us know how happy you are that there's a new episode of the show out. Um, And please be sure to check out our Patreon at mpn.bz Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support our network. And on top of that, you get access to bonus episodes for both Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Game Nerds podcast. Uh, And you can support our show. And if you give us $5 a month, you can have pretty much immediate access to each of us on our Discord. So... Please check that out: mpn.bz/patreon. Uh, we did recently have a new show called Multimedium released on the network by Tim and Willie. Uh, please go check out their latest episode about Resident Evil and its trans translation from video game to novelization. Uh, and there's also one other episode in that feed about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the comics to the 1990 film. So please go check those both out. It's a great show. Uh, And yeah, there's uh, other shows of Horror Movie Yearbook and Midwest Game Nerds out as well. Those come out every other week. Uh, Please go and enjoy them. But Film Nerds, man, it's been a while. Uh, Avengers Endgame was the last time we officially convened. And then I think we had a little, there was a little bonus of Nick and I's half of what we thought of IT Chapter 2. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a fake episode that we recorded before a preacher or something like that. But anyway.
1: Did you guys do a Black Mirror uh, episode, too? Am I misremembering that? Game Nerds That was on the Game Nerds.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we did talk about Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, the choose-your-own-adventure on Netflix. Um, But yeah, I I feel like I haven't talked about real movies in quite some time. So um, let's get into what we've been watching. I don't know if anybody wants to go first. This is this is like in school. Sure, I'll go. When,
1: I'm not <laughs> shy when the teacher
2: calls
3: us. <laughs> all
0: right, Willie, What have you been watching?
3: Yeah. So, um, a lot of stuff over the. I mean, let's see. Let me start at the beginning since the last time I recorded with you guys. Um. So, <laughs> please, please I, do. No. Um. I'm here. Re, no. Recently, <laughs> recently, I've watched. Uh, I finally watched all of well, all three seasons that are available of Cobra Kai. Um, which was I think the first two seasons were like the flagship show or one of them of the YouTube of YouTube Red, wasn't that what it was called? Their premium streaming service mm-hmm. that they were trying to Yeah. Which didn't last forever. Um it's it's gone now. Um but Netflix picked up Cobra Kai for season three and I want to say four as a go, too. Um so I finally got a chance to watch it because I was not going to pay for a YouTube uh red subscription even though i love karate kid to watch this plus the trailers weren't great um, so that didn't exactly entice me but i kept hearing really good things about it and i thought i'd check it out and um yeah i caught up i um i think season one's kind of great um uh everything i would want from i guess a karate kid revival um and a lot that i would never have expected from it um you know it's corny in spots, but it, it, but that's part of the heart of Karate Kid. There's a certain there's a certain corniness and a certain charm in that that the series is able to capture. Certainly in season one, uh, season two and three are, are a ton of fun as well. They're different than season one. Um, they're sillier. Uh, in a lot of ways, they're like the Karate Kid sequels because <laughs> the first movie uh, you've all seen the Karate Kid movies. I'm assuming everybody here has seen yeah. at least the first one. No
0: in the okay. uh the eight years or the nine years of the midwest podcast well, network i still have never seen any of the karate's kid so <laughs> um
3: well i could i okay so i could look at it's like the rocky movies right so like the first rocky arguably the second rocky and it's the same with karate kid or, like there's obviously an inherent corniness to like this the the rags to riches type story or the you know the the lovable loser you know getting his moment in the sun but um, but they take themselves relatively seriously. Season two and three of Cobra Kai are a lot like those sequels for Karate Kid where like the first, the first one takes itself pretty seriously, but then it just becomes more of a cartoon um, as things go on. Like the villains get sillier, the fight scene, like the stakes get way too high for high school karate tournaments. Like it just gets really silly, but also really <laughs> fun. So <laughs> I would... I would suggest all 3 seasons, especially if you have an affinity for that series of movies. I don't think you have I don't think you have to like those movies to enjoy the show. I think the younger characters can carry you along without having to have that nostalgia for it, but I think the nostalgia helps. So, um yeah, I enjoyed my whole my whole time with Karate, with a Cobra Kai rather. Um so yeah, Yeah, I watched that.
0: I've wanted to break into the Karate Kid series, you know, 30 years too late and actually watch the original movies and the Will Smith remake or uh, sorry, it was it's his son, right? I can't even remember what his name is. Jaden Jaden Smith. Yeah, Um, because I heard that was pretty good, too. And so I don't know. But and then I heard Cobra Kai was was great. So I I would like to take that journey at some point, but I haven't made it a priority in nine years. So let's see how long it (laughs) takes.
4: Willie, how do you feel about all of the, like, imitators and and things like, like sidekicks and Vision Quest and that kind of stuff?
3: Ha! Ha! Um, I mean, I've seen <laughs> all of those movies. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I've had fun with all that. I, I like all that stuff. I mean, Karate Kid is the cream of the crop, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, you know, that was kind of, I mean, really, in a lot of ways, Karate Kid was rocky for teenagers. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think that's the cream of the crop. The Three Ninjas series is kick-ass, too, though. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, High Noon at Mega Mountain is really sweet. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then real quick, so I, I have started watching uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I know that'll make Tim happy. Um, Ooh. I, I, think, I believe he's a fan. <laughs> um,
1: I, I haven't seen an episode. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were into it. Oh man! Wow. Uh, no, um, we we know somebody else that is. It's,
3: it's good. Yeah, Tim, you would like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's enjoyable. It's cool. It's um, there are no Riverdale crossovers that I've seen yet. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers that we get some <laughs> some Riverdale action. Um, they do mention uh, what's the high school Tim in Riverdale? Yeah, Riverdale High. Is it Riverdale High? Is that what it is? Okay, they mentioned it at one point. I remember thinking it was really cool. But anyway, and then I watched, yeah, I guess. And then I watched Spring, which is a, uh, I think it's from 2014. Um, I'm trying to watch all of uh, Morehead and Benson's uh, movies. They're like a director, writer, director duo. Um, they're doing directing most of Moon Knight for Disney Plus uh soon I hear. I guess March they're starting shooting that. Um but uh so I have been wanting to watch their stuff for a while now and it was just a good excuse for me to, to like finally pull the trigger and watch it. Um and Spring is not their first movie but it's kind of their breakout movie I guess. Um it's been described I saw a quote from a a, a critic saying it was um, cronenberg meets uh link later which sounds insane but it's definitely the vibe the movie has um i'm not gonna say anything more about it for because i think all of you guys i know tim's seen it i don't know uh, about nick and alex but i think anybody listening should give it a watch i think there's something f- there's it's a bizarre mishmash of things but it's really really cool and really enjoyable and just different it just feels different and i dig that um Definitely worth checking out. I think it's on. I watched it on Hulu, I believe. Um, So,
1: yeah, check out Spring. It's cool. I liked it.
0: Nice. Uh, Tim, what have you been watching?
1: So this is the film nerds, but I just I have no movies on on my list of things (laughs) that I've been watching. Get ready. Uh, it's time to jump back in Tim's CW corner here (laughs) because I've been watching multiple CW, just one episodes of these shows. So I can't wait. (laughs) So first up is Batwoman. Uh, Batwoman. I, I don't, I watched, she popped up on one of the, I think she popped up on Supergirl, the Ruby, Ruby Rose uh, version of Batwoman. So what they do in season two, we're in season two now already is Ruby Rose, they kill her in a plane crash. Like she's, <laughs> they don't show her at all in the first episodes of season two because I, I guess she left the show for reasons I don't know. But they kill her. They blow up the plane. The Batwoman costume falls to a beach, and then a woman that is just walking by just takes the <laughs> takes the Batwoman suit, and now she's the new Batwoman. <laughs> so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Seriously, that's how they come
1: up with this. It's on this a beach. <laughs> yeah, it's just out a beach. It's on Gotham Beach, apparently. <laughs> so.
4: It's like the so. end of Jumanji. That's so good.
1: <laughs> so I loved it. So I was kind of like, I'm in, and I really <laughs> wanted to like this show because it's got a very like diverse cast and everything. Oh, this is bad. This is a dire show. <laughs> like we are, we are to the point of these. Uh, this is the DC universe, the Arrowverse now where like it's about the level of like Hercules and Xena production. Maybe like, remember mutant X, the show mutant X. Oh, like yeah. this, is, oh, this is like syndicated TV level of cheapness. And <laughs> I, like I said, I wanted to like it. I watched the second episode uh, the other day. So maybe I do, I don't know, <laughs> but maybe I'm just, <laughs> maybe I'm just all in for just how simple they made it for there to be a new bat woman. Uh, next up, uh, Nancy drew Nancy drew is just a good show. Nancy drew. It's basically, it looks like they advertise it kind of like as Riverdale, but it's kind of like a supernatural version of Veronica Mars is how I would sell it. Nancy Drew's pretty good. The next one I want to talk about, though, is Walker walker Mm. is jared padalecki from (laughs) supernatural um so this is based on walker texas ranger the old chuck norris show which i'm sure everybody remembers i'm sure there are tons of fans i I think it was daniel feinberg (laughs) from the hollywood reporter like said walker is essentially the way this new walker is they went to jared padalecki after supernatural ended and they realized like there's still a big fan base for supernatural and (laughs) <laughs> probably him in particular. And they said, we need to keep you on. And he was like, okay, you can keep me on and give me a show, but make sure it takes place in Texas. Cause he lives in Austin. So, <laughs> no so, <my> God. God. <laughs> so good for him. That's so amazing. So he doesn't like have to go very far. And Walker is just Jared Padalecki now. Cause it's honestly all Jared Padalecki has played throughout his career. It's fine. I mean, whatever. But so Walker is not Chuck Norris anymore. He's Jared Padalecki and it's a family drama too, instead of what Walker was, which was, uh, I've watched quite a few episodes, but it was mostly Chuck Norris kicking things, weird things kind of happening. Um, <laughs> Trevette, his buddy had a sweet truck and they would roll around in it and fight stuff. This, he doesn't, I don't think he kicks once, um, but it's fine. Uh. The family drama, I kind of dug, I, I kind of liked this, <laughs> but it's, it's a family, it's a CW family drama show, but that stuff worked. I would like to see him kick something at some point. Um, I think that's it for CW. The unicorn. This is a broadcast TV uh, segment. Now, the unicorn on CBS is still very charming. <laughs> uh, Alex, you watched this, right?
0: Yeah, I watched season one with Nicole when we were looking for something lighter than all of the murder documentaries that we had been watching. And, uh, and yeah, it's it's extremely charming, and Walton Goggins is a is a treasure, and I'm glad he just has a CBS uh, sitcom that he can get paid for now.
1: So, Amy, my wife, she can't she can't watch this with me because she can't think of Walton Goggins as anybody but uh, Baby Billy from mm-hmm. oh, from yeah. the righteous gemstones or even his character <laughs> and vice principles so like he plays kind of a charming divorced uh or not divorced. Uh, um his wife passed away and so he plays kind of a real charmer that the ladies find irresistible so this works on alex and me but
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> but
1: for mm-hmm. but for anybody who can't get past him being uh baby billy and then the absolute last one i want to talk about is not a broadcast show it's a cable show honestly is uh, so it's snowpiercer And so Snowpiercer was a show that I was actually watching as it aired last year. And about episode four, I go, "Okay, this is boring because it was just kind of like a murder procedural. It was like kind of a murder mystery, the first four episodes. And then I was watching like basketball or wrestling the other night and I saw a commercial for season two is coming out and Sean Bean shows up. So I go, oh, <laughs> like, I guess I better find out what's going on. And everybody's like, yeah, season four is where it starts to get or not, I mean, episode four is where it starts to get like good. They, they solved the murder mystery in in like episode five. And then the second half of the, the second half of the season is pretty sweet. Honestly, <laughs> it feels it's got a little bit of Battlestar in its bones. It's very much. About kind of like the second Mm. half is very much about like class warfare and things like that. So it's the second half is really good. And now I'm now Sean Bean's in it. And so I'm all in for season two, which just started airing. So there you go. That's my TV wrap.
4: Does it does it tie into the movie? Like, does it supposedly take place simultaneously or is it like a different thing?
1: It's it's a different it's a different thing. It. (laughs) It's okay. yeah, D- David Diggs is the lead uh and it's got Jennifer Connelly as well who's very good. David yeah. Diggs is very good as the lead but his character kind of sucks for the first half of the season. Then he gets cool. So oh, uh, right. yes, yeah, so it's it's good. It's but it's basically just a Snowpiercer TV show. It has no connection to the movie. It deals with a lot of the same things but it does build a lot upon the world that was created in Snowpiercer which kind of kept me through those first four episodes. So
4: Okay. Yeah, David Diggs is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's quite good in this. Yeah.
4: That's cool. Yeah. i us check that out. I could actually with <laughs> with him involved, I could definitely get Kim to watch it.
1: The first season is on HBO Max, too. So yeah, I saw that. that.
0: Nice. All right, Nick, what have you been watching? That's
4: actually a perfect segue that Tim just teed up for me, because in the last. Uh, well, when did Hamilton come out on Disney Plus? Uh, for 4th or no 4th of July I came out on 4th of July last year. Yeah, so in my household we have watched that probably I'm going to say upwards of like 20 times. And <laughs> that's probably just the times that I've been present for some portion of it and a lot of it goes on without my knowledge. And also that does in including the sound the soundtrack is on constantly in our house. And so David Diggs is incredible in that and I I don't I have a hard time with theater. I appreciate it. And when it comes to if I have the opportunity to go to like a live theater production or a musical or anything like that, I usually don't have a great time. And it's just because I'm such a movie and TV person that I, if I'm stuck sitting in one fixed vantage point, I get really antsy. And so if I'm sitting in like an uncomfortable chair, staring at a stage for, you know, two hours and not being able to move and just watching it happen, it just like doesn't sit well. I don't get much pleasure out of it. But the uh the experience of watching Hamilton actually like makes it a lot better because there's actually like a camera's cutting and that kind of thing. So it's more like a movie. But anyway, I'm not much of a musical person, I'm not much of a theater person, but it's super good. And if anyone is remotely considering watching it or uh, you know, has any remote interest or just hasn't gotten to it and you have Disney Plus, I recommend it because it's pretty incredible. And it's remarkable that one person came up with it and essentially just like obliterated the uh the musical theater scene and has just a runaway hit that is still continuing to this day. I didn't expect to talk about that,
0: Um, (laughs) but that was just such a good segue. It's very good. I did happen to see, I did manage to see the, the Detroit production when it was in town. Oh yeah. Um, and so it's interesting, even if you have seen the live one, it's kind of fun to compare and contrast the two different versions. Because oh yeah, there's still sure. some characters in in the in the like some of the original cast members, I feel like were improved upon in the Detroit version even, and it's just kind of like interesting to some people hit certain performances better and yeah. other people kind of make different choices and it's just kind of awesome. But
4: yeah, I would, I would Kim and I were saying the same thing that we'd be interested to see it um, because like, he's a brilliant writer and obviously like an incredible visionary and genius, but Lin-Manuel Miranda, I don't think is very good as like a, in his role. He just like, doesn't embody it as well as at literally every single other cast member of the original cast. So I'd love to see what someone else would do with that particular aspect of it. Yeah. But Either way, it's fine. Um, moving on. We have been on an insane tear of watching Law & Order SVU. And it is <laughs> hilarious. And it has the inverse problem of what Tim was saying. Or I'm sorry, what Willie was saying about like Cobra Kai and Karate Kid and stuff. Because so we jumped in. Kim has seen every single episode because in college, she and all of her roommates watched it religiously. So when we started watching it on Hulu, she was like, we should jump in at like season four or five. Like when it really is is just Totally running at full steam. And I was like, Yeah, cool, let's do it. So we watched every season from then on until Christopher Maloney left the show. And then I was like, I'm not interested in literally anything beyond this point. <laughs> so she said, Let's go back to the first episode and start there. And now that you're like into the world and all that, so I say, Okay, fine. So we go, <laughs> we go back to the pilot. And it's like a it's like a Marvel movie. It's a quip a minute and It's insane because I'm like watching it. I'm like, this is such heavy stuff normally. And the show, like as the show goes on, it starts to get heavier and heavier. And but early on, it's just like super duper jokey. And I think this is so weird because there are all these like horrible sex crimes and murders and stuff. And they're just making every scene, literally every scene ends with some sort of one liner. And they're also like dad jokes. So the whole thing, it ends up becoming really uncomfortable. And I like turned to her midway through the first episode. I was like, this is a different show, but it's really entertaining. It's really amusing. Um, We watched the undoing moving on. We I've been, I've been rewatching the Lord of the Rings movies. And this is what I was really excited to talk about. Uh, So these are on HBO max and they are not the extended editions. They're the theatrical editions. And it's kind of a, kind of a crappy upload quality. Like it doesn't look particularly good. Like they're really compressing the shit out of it because it's such a long movie, but <clears throat> either way, it's still fun to watch because you still really, really, uh, it feels like a, a a product from a completely bygone era because so much of it is practical and so much of it is miniatures and so much of it is, you know, forced perspective with the actors and the sets. And it's true movie magic like like through and through especially with fellowship like it's just honestly like pretty incredible to watch where so i remember i distinctly remember sitting in the theater i think i was 14 when that first one came out it came out 20 years ago uh this year and i remember like the exact feelings watching it and being like oh my god like this is insane and it holds up like fellowship holds up remarkably well and even the cgi looks still looks really good and then Two Towers is a little bit weaker, like especially with Gollum. It, it shows its age a lot more. Uh, and you start to to feel a little bit more of that. But the CG still looks better than a lot of the stuff that came out like literally last year. And bar none looks better than all three of the Hobbit movies, which is pretty impressive. Like they did it right. And it shows. <clears throat> I, uh, But one of my favorite things about watching these again was going in. So, I do this with literally every movie I watch. I inevitably go on to IMDb and start reading trivia and I go on to Reddit and just read like people's thoughts and reading the trivia for Lord of the Rings. Any Lord of the Rings movie takes about as long as watching the actual movie because there's <laughs> so much trivia and so many details that go into these. And the one that I screenshotted because it blew my mind so much. And now that I've got like roughly a decade of like working in this in the same industry or in a in a parallel industry anyway uh i kind of have more perspective than i did when i was like watching behind the scenes features and stuff back when they came out and the one thing that really stuck in my mind there were two bits of trivia one was that 1460 eggs were served to the cast and crew for breakfast every single morning of shooting and
0: wait wait like like a thousand eggs per day
4: yes one thousand four hundred and sixty eggs, <laughs> ballpark, every single day of production were served to the cast and crew. Wow! Another one was uh, that <laughs>
3: most of them went to Viggo Mortensen.
4: <laughs> no, he's probably vegan. He probably doesn't eat eggs. The uh, <laughs> he, he's a, he's like a wind person. He just breathes in air and then is fed for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Another one was that the the, Hob- the feet the feet that the hobbits wore, like the prosthetic feet, with the process of removing them after a day of shooting destroyed them, like they couldn't be salvaged. So every single day, or even if they had to take it off between days, if they were shooting splits or something, they had to put on a whole new pair. So through the duration of the production, literally for like the years that they shot all three of these back to back, they had a building... With a whole bunch of ovens that were literally operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they were making (laughs) the feet for the hobbits, the ears for the hobbits, the ears for the elves, and I think something for the orc costumes, like hands or something weird and specific. Wow. Insane. There was, a, there was one more too that I don't remember. Oh, so it's pretty common. We know this from these days now that movies are so heavily publicized. We all know like second unit photography is like not really a big deal. And there was a weird period a few years ago and the internet used to act like that was a bad thing. Like, oh, they're doing additional photography. And it's like, no, it's fine. Like that's really common in movies. They go shoot like plates of like cities or establishing shots, that kind of thing. Second unit, not a big deal. Very common. Uh, and sometimes it is used to catch up if they're behind schedule or that kind of thing. But this movie, for a large duration of the shooting, th- these movies frequently had five or six units shooting at the same time. Wow. It's unreal to think of the fact that at the end of every shooting day, at some point, Peter Jackson had to sit down in like a screening room and watch the dailies for his unit as well as all the other units and like say, that works. That's good. No, I don't like that. They got to reshoot that. And it's a it's a wonder that he's alive. Like. <laughs> I'm I'm truly staggered by the amount of effort that went into making this movie and you read about all the stuntmen involved and all the all of the undertaking of building these sets and like there was one area where they built like a whole thing and then there was like a flood so they couldn't use it they had to relocate it and just the the hundreds of millions of dollars and and hundreds of thousands of man hours that went into making these movies it literally couldn't happen today and will likely never happen again and that is extremely, I can't even think of the word. It's its just amazing to think about now that, you know, when these were coming out, they were obviously like incredible. But now, like 20 years on, I'm looking back at them and thinking this is definitely a different time. Like this will never happen again. And it's just really fun to watch them with that perspective in mind that I feel like an old man now. Like I'm definitely in dad mode with this because it's the kind of thing you tell your kids like, oh, man, look at that. You know, they don't make them like this anymore. And they'd be like, yeah, whatever. They won't ever understand. But it's it's just honestly incredible and i i have i started the return of the king and i haven't finished it yet but um yeah it's just such a really 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 cool series to revisit especially if you're into behind the scenes stuff and trivia and they made all these mini documentaries about it and peter jackson did the same thing with king kong which i'm going to watch after i finish these he had all the production diaries for that and it's like very similar heavily documented process and i was listening to horror movie yearbook and and tim in particular mentioning that you're always really into behind the scenes content and interviews and that kind of thing. And I would say you were saying in text too, that you wanted to kind of revisit this series. Um, I would definitely recommend doing it. And and after each one, just diving in and, and taking a bite out of some of the behind the scenes stuff that you can find, because it's really fun to look back now that we're in the era of like, oh, they shoot the Mandalorian with a giant LED screen in a warehouse and it's only one guy there. Like that's amazing. Don't get me wrong. The technology is really cool, but this is a completely different animal Where people like people probably quit the industry after making this movie because it would be so difficult and like literally physically intense to just even get this done. It's just amazing.
0: Yeah, I know they just put the series out on 4K Blu-ray, and I'm kind of curious how those transfers look and everything. So that might be something that I pick up pick up at some point. I've heard they're
1: really good. The transfers on like are incredible. Is what I've I've... that's
0: uh, yeah. I wouldn't expect any less right. out of a out of a Peter Jackson movie. I'm sure he had some hand in it by himself, or but yeah i I think uh that would be one that would be worth kind of that's
4: you know revisiting, and that's, like you said that's kind of the great tragedy of the Hobbit too, because like Peter Jackson, you can tell, he literally poured himself completely. he gave himself to the process and just swung for the fences and put everything he had into getting this done, and then the Hobbit just feels so devoid of that. Because I mm-hmm. don't think he should have done it. And I think he knows he shouldn't have done it too. Even when he took the gig, I think he was kind of like, man, I should have just let someone else do it. And, His heart wasn't in it. Yeah, and he didn't, even because he didn't even do most of the prep for it. Guillermo did a ton of the prep work for it. And so you, when you're trying to just like, it's almost kind of like, this is a really dumb example, but kind of like um, Edgar Wright doing all this prep work for Ant-Man and then, mm-hmm. and then Peyton Reed stepping in and he made a he made a good movie. Like I like Ant-Man, don't get me wrong, but he like made someone else's movie. He just kind of got it done or like Ron Howard was solo, that kind of thing. It always has kind of a weird uh, tinge to it, but that's kind of the way I feel about The Hobbit. And it's such a bummer because the source material is so good. But, uh, you know, you look at Lord of the Rings and it's honestly just it's 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 the stars aligning and the right producer coming along the right studio coming along the right director the right cast it honestly is it is truly what the magic of movie making is all about and it's really refreshing to go back and watch those
0: awesome um i in terms of movies I've, i haven't watched too much um, now
4: let's not talk about rise of skywalker
0: <laughs> no we're not gonna get to that i'm gonna get to that at another time uh, I told Nick earlier that I feel some need to get the rise of Skywalker off of my chest, but I haven't really found the words yet. So we'll we'll circle back to that some other time. Um, but uh, Freaky is a movie that I saw most recently. It was after I watched Wonder Woman 1984, which kind of spurned us coming back to, to talk <laughs> about movies again. Um, I don't know if we'll touch on that too deeply this episode, but... Freaky is a movie that came out uh, on demand in, I think, November-ish. And it is a Blumhouse film starring uh, Catherine Newton, who you might know from a few random things, but mostly Vince Vaughn, I think, is the star power from this movie. And uh, the original title was uh, Freaky Friday the 13th because it is Freaky Friday and Friday the 13th in one movie. Uh uh Vince Vaughn's playing basically a Jason type slasher villain and Catherine Newton is a teenage girl and uh the Jason of this movie gets a relic in his hand that allows them to transfer bodies. Uh, but they need to in and, and in order to get her body back, she needs to stab him with it in her own body. Anyway. Uh, it's very entertaining it's a lot of fun seeing like a slasher villain seeing katherine newton as this like 20 something girl or she's a high schooler in the movie um, trying to be like this villainous slasher person and then to watch vince vaughn act like a high school girl i think it's it's pretty entertaining and like very comedic in that fact and you know there could probably be some cooler kills in it for being kind of a slasher movie but I'd be very interested to hear what the horror movie yearbook boys think of this movie when they get a chance to see it. So that one's on demand uh, at the moment, and I'm sure it will come to something soon enough or be available. It might even be available for like a normal rental price at some point soon.
1: It's down to six bucks or it's down to like five or six bucks because I'm actually going to watch it this weekend. I think now that it's dropped. Okay. yeah,
0: yeah, I'd say it's totally worth that. I think we paid 20 bucks for it. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, we haven't paid to see many movies in theater this year, so we might as well pay this now but um yeah no for six bucks i think i think you guys will enjoy it quite a bit um other than that it's mostly been a bunch of tv shows there's a uh, of the murder documentaries and things that nicole and i have watched over the past year because you know we really enjoy light entertainment in the coronavirus times um there's one called murder on middle beach that's on hbo max and it is directed By This man whose mother was murdered in his youth and he made a documentary to try and kind of figure out who did it, but also reckon with it and show what it did to him and his family and his extended family. And it's a four part series. It's very well done. And um, I think people should check that out if they're into the true true crime kind of thing. Um, And then. Uh, two shows that are on right now currently airing uh, we've all been watching WandaVision and I think that might be a topic that we could play we could we could come back to later on once the season is over Um, and then also Servant is on Apple TV the second season um, is an M. Night Shyamalan uh, produced television show that uh, Tim has been watching so we might go more in depth on those later, but uh, I think it's safe to say everybody here has been enjoying WandaVision.
1: Yes, I have. Yeah.
0: Yes. And then, uh, Tim, I think, have you been keeping up with Servant?
1: I've watched the first episode of season two. I will knock out two and three once three drops this weekend. So, I, yeah, I missed um, season two. But honestly, the first episode was right in line with the first season, which I I dug quite a bit. And, yeah, thank you for your recommendation on that. Yeah.
0: For sure. It's just creepy enough and off putting enough like that entire show is just kind of like keeping you on the edge of your sh- edge of your seat with how like it plays with your expectations and the the weirdness that's going on. So if you're looking for horror TV show, uh, I think Apple TV plus and servant is, is a pretty, pretty good choice there. So,
4: um, oh, but you just reminded me, I have to say something about it. Cause I loved it so much. Uh, the morning show on Apple TV plus I completely forgot about yes. it and I we just put it on on a whim and it's so good I was completely caught off guard by how much I liked it the cast is just really good the subject matter is really topical and sometimes it gets a little too topical a little too <laughs> on the nose with what it's doing and it gets a little too bloated with the messages trying to convey but honestly it's really impressive I like it a lot it captures that the, the frenetic energy of that world super well and uh, it's it's just really I I really loved it, and I can't wait for the next season.
0: Yeah, we watched that as well, and uh, you know Billy Crudup is awesome in that show, which is oh, great. Man, he's and, on another um, planet. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> and uh, it does it feels like a it feels like um it feels like an Aaron Sorkin show that doesn't have Aaron Sorkin involved, so you don't yeah. have to feel that guilty about liking it.
4: It, you know? it has moments like that. There, there were a couple speeches. There was one in particular, but it was early in the series. But yeah, it definitely I was like, eee. this is getting a little a little close to that to that the needles moving too far in that direction
0: yeah it's like if the newsroom was just less up its own ass and i i kind of appreciate it for that it's you know
4: yeah it, it's, c- it's, it does the season does start that way where it's definitely celebrating itself but then it starts to condemn itself as the season goes on and i think that's really yes. cool um, yep, and now kim sure. also shares a white hot man crush on mark duplass with me which is beautiful we just t- we that's can just talk good. about him oh, together good. yeah and how and how he's honestly so good in the show he's perfect and uh yeah. I wasn't sure how good he'd be at drama and he's really 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 good. And Billy Crudup is just like channeling some energy from another dimension and it's <laughs> it's it's really something to witness.
1: You said Billy Crudup was on another planet. Was that planet was it Mars?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is he is tired of of the the tangle of our lives and he wants to get out. <laughs> yeah he he's so good in that too yeah he's just the dude is he's one of those guys that s- slips by and i always forget how talented he is but i gotta give jennifer aniston credit too because it's easy to just dismiss her as like doing what she does so well which we i think we just know kind of like comedic or quirky or you know just to associate her with friends but man she brings it and in a real way and it's awesome it's honestly just such a phenomenal show
0: for sure um so we should get into our news segment and kind of discussing kind of where we think the movie industry is headed right now. And to preface this um, there's been a few kind of big stories that have happened over 2020, basically one of them is that um, the consent decrees that were established by a Supreme court case against Paramount pictures in 1948 that prevented movie studios from owning their own uh, movie theaters has been struck down in uh, New York in New York uh, f- federal courts, which is kind of one big thing that happened in the movie industry li- last year. Another is the fact that um, a lot of the release window, um, the release windows that, that theaters would agree to have been kind of renegotiated at this point, And so you don't necessarily need to have a specific uh, window for a movie release anymore which is putting the squeeze on movie theaters as well and obviously the the final big story is that uh, Warner Brothers is planning to release all of their movies uh, in in 2020 when, 2021 on both HBO Max and in theaters starting I think this week with a Denzel Washington movie that also has Jared Leto in it that I cannot remember um, The Letoest Things Yes, the littlest things. Also, so, an excellent twin shadow song. There you go. Um, so, right now, the movie industry is kind of all over the place, and I just wanted to kind of chat about where you guys think it might go, where you hope it goes, and uh, and just kind of like where where your feelings are right now with movie going and watching movies. So, Willie, why don't you start about kind of how you feel? Uh, how you? What do you think about the current predicament of you know, basically at home viewing for these new release movies. And, uh, do you see movie theaters surviving this pandemic?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think movie theaters will survive. I don't know what they're going to look like on the other end of this. Um, I don't think there will be as many. Certainly. I think that's fair to say. Um, I don't think there'll be screening as varied, um, A selection of movies. I think that's already been in play anyway. Movie theaters are showing less and less smaller, more um, medium or low budget movies it seems like. Unless it's one of those weird ones that kind of either um, gets a surprising level of following that maybe was unexpected or it's an awards season uh, type deal. They don't screen that stuff anyway. Mm. So I think it's just going to become more and more about theaters uh mostly doing business with the big studios for the big summary type releases. And I think you're going to see those releases. Um, and we've already seen that start to shift too, before the coronavirus stuff even happened. You're going to see, I think a lot of those studios start to, I use air quotes here, but uh, take, make bolder choices with their, when they release their movies. Um, I mean, we've already seen studios releasing blockbuster stuff now in January and February here and there. And I think it's, it's worked in a lot of cases. So, um, I do think you will still have some of those niche, like those niche theaters, though, that like, like the main art in Royal Oak would be the one that, you know, we would kind of for, for think of when we think of that, that type of theater. I think those will still exist. Um, once again, I don't know if as many of them will be around. I do think they will still be there. Um, I, I think the big change that I'm expecting is that you're just going to, you're only going to be going to the big chain theaters to see the big monster blockbustery movies and that's about it um and maybe if you want to go i think that the nostalgia the throwback movies are big right now too um i think like every theater chain was was or is doing those now where it's like hey you want to mm-hmm. come back in and see you know top gun on the big screen i think that'll continue too in both bigger and smaller theaters, the surviving theaters, I think there's a there's still I think there will always be a market for that at this point, because um, people want to taste of that nostalgia. Um, but I, I I don't know. I mean, like I am not going to lie and tell you guys I'm not excited for the fact that I get to watch like I don't know Godzilla. I mean, like Godzilla should be seen in a theater. There's no question there. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm uh, you know I'm one of the people who maybe um, I think Nick and I have not thought about this before, but Nick and I have disagreed a little bit before on, on you know, uh, how crucial the theater experience is to us, you know, and I think certainly in the case of like a Godzilla, like there's no doubt. I mean, absolutely, you know, that should be, I think, seen in the theater. I mean, it's it, the whole thing, the scale and the spectacle of it should be seen with the loudest, best possible sound system on the biggest possible screen, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I can't lie and say I'm not excited for the fact that I'll be able to see these movies, like, essentially opening weekend. I guess you could call it opening weekend. We're going to go with that. Um, when <laughs> there's no way there isn't even without, like, even with let's just pretend that none of this stuff was going on. This The pandemic stuff was going on. I would not be seeing most of these movies uh, opening weekend or maybe even the theater at all. Um I would not have that excitement of being one of the first people to see something. And there was a thrill to that of being able to see something right out of the gate, Um, not seeing it later, which is fun too, but you get to be part of the conversation maybe a little bit more when you get to see it right away. Um, And I'm excited. Like I'm excited that I'll get get to be able to do that. You know Um, it was already harder for me to go see movies in the theater uh, with having a baby, you know, I mean, it's just not as, it's just Mm -hmm. not as easy as it once was certainly. And so Um, you know, I'm going to go from seeing like two movies opening weekend in 2019 in the theater to, I think, seeing none in 2020, um, to seeing, you know, a handful of them. So I'm excited about that aspect, but I do think that theaters will survive. I can understand why there's a lot of blowback on Warner though, for it, for sure. So,
0: yeah um nick i think you also having a young child uh but also kind of as willie said uh cherishing the theater experience kind of where are your feelings at with where things are at now like are you do you feel conflicted are there still movies that you don't think you would even bother watching on hbo max because you would want to see it in a theater
4: um the answer to is yes uh because yes to all I'm. I am <laughs> conflicted extremely because, like Willie said, it, there's definitely an appeal to being able to just like, like, oh, it's Friday night, everybody's asleep now. I'm putting on Godzilla versus King Kong, and it's just dad time, and that's that's definitely very very tempting. And uh, <clears throat> I think that you know, as Willie also pointed out, with especially with regard to Godzilla movies, though, there's something about the big the big screen, the big sound. But for me, the the theater experience has always been really important to me because it's, it's a really shared experience. And that's always what I've really loved about going to the theater. Even like sometimes when you get stuck in a theater with like someone who's a little annoying, uh, not, not somebody you went to the movie with, but like maybe somebody else in the audience, it can, it can definitely kind of trash tarnish the experience a little bit, but there's always something about that, that I kind of always like to carry away with me and be like, at least I was like in a shared space with a person we sat down in the dark and had a, a shared experience watching a movie. And I always kind of just love that about the movie theater. Like, uh, wasn't it, wasn't it Godzilla King of the Monsters where we were all there and like the power, power went out for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that could happen at home, but it just wouldn't be the same. Like there was something <laughs> funny about that. Cause I remember when we all sat there and then the movie kicked back on, everybody just started applauding. And mm-hmm. that was awesome. Like to me, that like made the experience memorable, and that made everybody be like, you know what? Hell yeah, Godzilla! Here we are. Like let's let's get this going. And it was like in the middle of a fight, I think. So, or like right before a fight started. Anyway, it was just awesome. And uh, the the thing that is good about it, and the thing that I do like about Warner Brothers and HBO doing this, is that it's going to get me to watch more movies because there's definitely no question that, like Willie said, I will not be able to make it to the theater to see as many movies as I would like. But there's. there's even a a chance I might watch this movie that also has Jared Leto in it because it's there. (laughs) Yeah. And like I can, and you know what? I might like it. I might get some enjoyment out of it. And there is a 0% chance that I would pay to see this in the theater, even before I was married with a a kid. So it's, (laughs) you know, it is getting art in front of more people's eyes, and I don't know if I want to use that term for the movie, and it might be good. But I did read something really funny that the script for that movie is from 1993. So it does kind of <laughs> it does kind of make me want to watch it a lot more. Like apparently, that movie has been considered by Spielberg and many of his other peers for like 20 something, 30 something years, which is just amazing to me. <laughs> Damn! So I hope it plays like it could be a movie from 93 that also starred Denzel. He's just older now. <laughs>
0: So just really been trying to get that one off the
4: ground. (laughs) It's his last witch hunter. He's just really trying to make it happen. (laughs) uh, So that does kind of make me want to watch it more. But yeah, I mean, I'm really torn. I I love the theater so much and I will, I miss it. And it's, it's, this is the longest I've ever gone in my, I think in my life since I saw my first movie in theaters that I've gone without going back to the theater. The only movie I saw in theaters in 2020 was Sonic the Hedgehog with you guys. And that was almost a (laughs) year ago. And that was Valentine's day, I think. And it was wonderful. Um, and it's, it's been, or it was at least Valentine's Day weekend. It was awesome. And that was the only movie I, I went to theaters to see was Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's, that's just, that blows my mind. If you had told me at some point in my teens or twenties or even early thirties, like, Hey, there will come a year where you, there's a pandemic and you will only see one movie in the theater. I probably wouldn't believe you. And I certainly wouldn't believe that it would be Sonic the Hedgehog, but (laughs) these are, these are weird times. And it was, I had a great time seeing it. So whatever, um, to the to the question at hand i i think that theaters can survive they just i think they have to play their cards really right and they have to find a way to slim things down and it may be a matter of like we might lose some of the like 20 30 theater like megaplexes and they might become a little bit mm. smaller like they used to be like i remember when i was a kid not too far from our house there was like a there was like a theater that had like eight theaters and that was like a nice respectable size because you could have the new stuff that came out and you could also have some things that came out like a few weeks ago, a few months ago or whatever that things were different then; like movies felt like they stayed in theaters longer back then. Yeah. But we used to go to that one. And I always thought like, this is the right amount, like eight to 10 screens seems good. But you get some of these ones now that are just so big. And I just don't know that the output's going to be there to support it. But, you know, we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, I, I certainly hope that one of the chains, at least, has the, you know, they have the real estate, they have the infrastructure to at least once once they get the the green light to start showing again and, and bringing people in, they already have everything they need. They just need to get asses back in the seats. So I hope, you know, I'm worried about like the art house places and the mom and pop type places, but the big ones I think could survive. But they also might be the first to go down if they're just too bloated. And this actually kind of echoes back to what. uh Tim and Willie, you guys were saying about the the video store, you know, some of them, they got too big to be sustainable over time and uh, there's definitely going to be a balance that needs to be struck for them to to continue going on. But I certainly hope they do. I mean, honestly, it's hard enough to think of a world without a video store and it's impossible for me to think of one without the option of a movie theater.
0: Yeah. Tim, what do you, I mean, I mean, I know you've probably been one of the people that I know is feeling this the hardest because I think you, you'd been going to the theater more than the rest of us throughout the past couple of years. Um, do you, do you feel like the theater experience is going to have to change? And like, do you think that you would appreciate it as much if it was like smaller complexes or like more of an Alamo draft house serve you dinner and a movie kind of thing? Like, what do you think? Well. Will kind of pull the theater industry out of this, if possible.
1: So yeah, that's uh, that's what's tough to kind of predict here because I, one of the things that has been kind of taken away from us the past year and. Or- change or less than even is just kind of that experience that communal experience that going to experience something with other people and it kind of highlights just how much people want connection and people want to connect with other people and share in something and that's been kind of ripped away from us And it's not just the movie theater it's the the theater theater it's sporting events it's all of that and it all ties in together of that human want to just be around other people celebrating or sharing the same experience So that's been taken away. What do I think will bring it back? If, As far as paring it down, yeah. The thing, though, for me is it's tough for me to imagine theaters going under because I I think they're going to have to pare it down. And I think a lot of this stuff is just accelerated. What was going to happen down the road has just been accelerated Mm -hmm. by what's happened in the past year. But I don't see it Mm -hmm. fully going away. It's like what... We, you t- you mentioned the video store. It's like what cable is going to have to go through cable TV. If it wants to survive, it's it, it, it's going to have to evolve. Movie theaters haven't evolved enough in some ways, and they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. And because cable TV never evolved and you can see where that's going, it's leading into streaming because what they did was they just threw everything at the customer and they jacked up the price. Movies have gotten too expensive. A lot of the times uh, you're right there, there are a lot of, movie showing. Anyway, there's just a lot going on there, but the thing it's tough for me to see disappearing is like I said that need for human connection and just sharing in an experience because concerts will be back. All the theater mm-hmm. will be back when things the things come back and get rolling again. The other thing too is it is a it's a date. It's an event for people to you don't take a person on a first or second date back to your house to watch Netflix you take them to dinner and a movie because <laughs> taking back the house to watch Netflix is kind of forward for a second day for a lot of people. So it, it's, it's like that thing. I don't see it going away, but you, uh, Willie touched on something too, when he brought it up is there is uh, a lot of older new movies do do well. And that's because people want to see them on the big screen and they want to see the movies they want to see on the big screen. I think we've run into, a, there's a lot of movies that have come out that people don't necessarily want to see and just go because they're out. And I think that might be, what changes a little bit down the road.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember, so I brought up the consent decree, uh, kind of, uh, the, the court case that ended up being struck down last year. Cause I feel like we're at this moment in time where I, I, I don't know if it's something that I want to see, but I feel like it's possible for me to envision this world where like, AMC gets purchased by Disney and they become Disney Theaters mm-hmm. and you can see the latest Marvel Star Wars Pixar Disney movies at the AMC theater and then you know Warner Brothers purchases the Cinemark theaters or whatever it's going to be like I I just kind of wonder Amazon if yeah Amazon, Amazon and Amazon's Netflix are sure going to buy a theater chain what?
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is this streaming war is going to come down to like three or four big companies at the end of it, Mm -hmm. because that's where it's leading. It's leading to Warner's Disney and then whoever else on top of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and so it's it's kind of I wonder how much of that will be supplemented by the idea that, like, you know, now that these studios could own 100 percent of the money that all of the operating profit and revenue that comes off of these theaters like you have to think that they're probably salivating at the idea that hey i could just keep black widow playing here until the eternals comes out and they could be the only place that you could see it until it ends up on disney plus after a year even or who knows how they would even end up you know adjusting the way things work i I think it's kind of a you know it's all up in the air and we're just kind of prognosticating at what we think could happen but I feel like that could be a really interesting way for movie theaters to exist, if not kind of a sad reality of like, you know, will there still be any indie theaters around for us to go see, say cop car or something (laughs) the the kings of summer you know those those small indie movies that we
1: i do think those i do think those will survive like uh, for example something like the main art i think the main art will Mm -hmm. survive because there is an audience for those movies in this area that will go out and see see an independent movie i Mm -hmm. a lot of it comes down to i guess the area it is but a lot of those are only in metropolitan areas like detroit chicago places like that so i think those theaters those art theaters will survive
4: yeah they have they have loyal like brand loyalty too from a lot of yes. the, like it, residents they,
1: and that they they remind me of record stores and subways kind of yeah. like that
0: i i know that a lot of the um stimulus money also that was meant for the entertainment industry had a lot of like ear tags on it that were like uh, you know, if you're going to receive this money, you can't be in more than two of the sectors that are listed in here. And it'll be like, you know, concert venues and movie theaters or something like that. So it kind of like made this money more available to those smaller chains instead of all going to like the big ones like AMC and and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's it's hard to know if that stimulus money will be enough and who knows when things will really quote unquote end at this point. But.
4: I think it'd be interesting to go back and look in the sometime in like the 1920s or 30s because or somewhere in the early kind of golden era of Hollywood, because I bet there was an instance where everything I shouldn't say I bet. I know there was an instance where everything that was getting in front of audiences was essentially coming from like one of three studios. And that was literally it. And I think that we might see something similar come forward, except instead of studios, it becomes streaming services or streaming studios, essentially, whether it's like Netflix theaters, Amazon theaters, Disney theaters, or something like that. It might be the same kind of song, just in a slightly different melody, if that makes yeah. sense. Like a, like a, we might be going through something similar at, that happened previously. It's just going to be a little bit different in terms of its structure. And I think that with as unprecedented as it would have felt fifteen years ago, Amazon kind of proved by buying Whole Foods and making these like essentially almost autonomous amazon prime run stores you've shown that people can have this experience where they just hold up their phone to like a scanner and then they're admitted and they they check out without needing you know human attention to to get them their groceries and they've shown that that something like that can work, and I would not be surprised at all if they say let's buy up a chain of theaters and try that out where people can just, you know, scan their way through the, through the theater into the, into their seat and, you know, use their, their Amazon prime membership as essentially the, the, the total key to the experience.
0: Yeah. That's what I would like out of my human connection experiences, less humans. <laughs> so, I mean,
4: you could get there with the people, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm just yeah. saying more in terms of making it a streamlined uh, experience through Amazon prime, whether or not, they were employees yeah. there to help you. You can just say like, "Hey, you're already paying for this. Here's an additional service that we offer." And honestly, I'd be kind of down for that if it makes it easier. And if they, it sounds like it could be interesting. But maybe this is coming from like now in a, in a thirty thirty-some-year-old body. I'm kind of like, that sounds kind of nice. If I'm already paying for it, <laughs> let me. I want to just walk. It's like it's like your parents being stoked about like their Amex perks. It's kind of the same type of deal.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I was just making a <laughs> shitty joke. But.
4: No, I mean, no, you're, you're not wrong, though. I mean, it, it does eventually reach a point where it's like, what are you doing? And when does it cease to be fun?
0: Yeah. Uh, Willie, any final thoughts before we move on?
3: No, no, I, 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 I think I agree with everything everybody said. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think that a lot's going to change, but a lot's also going to remain the same. I don't know if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. but that's how I feel.
0: I'm stoked that you will get to see more more movies as they come out and we can all kind of be in the conversation. And I hope here's what I really hope. I think on March 31st at a reasonable time, we will all need to sit down and watch Godzilla versus Kong at the same time. Yes. And just kind of have our phones open. So, you know, we can not yes. pay attention to the movie and kind of talk to each <laughs> the true other. Movie and experience. Yeah. The- <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I was thinking that would be a way. There, I think there's going to be two. Two interesting demographics that the, the movie theater chains are going to have to court. And that's going to be like the younger generation, like the, by that time, the like teens and are like early 20 somethings. And then the people that are roughly our age, because they're going to be the young people that might want to go out and have an experience. But at the same time, they're all going to want to be on their phones simultaneously, mm. which is mm-hmm. they're going to have to figure out if there's like used to be smoking and non-smoking theaters. Maybe there's like a phones and no phones theaters, uh, but also the people that are. Mm our age, even like exactly our age, the the classes of like 03 through like 08-ish, we're all at the point now where most of us are professionals established in careers and, and a lot of us are married and have kids. It's going to be at the point where we're going to start to have the opportunity to take those kids to the theater. And, you know, uh, again, calling back to the horror movie yearbook episode, Willie was talking about how he was bummed out that the family video was closing because he takes Josie there. And, you know, if you know, Safe Family Video has been dead for a year, right? And suddenly a video store opens. I feel like a lot of dads our age would jump at the chance to take their kids into a brick and mortar video store and let them walk around and pick stuff out. And I think there might be a similar kind of yearning for that experience with movie theaters because our generation grew up going to the movies. Like that was a thing. And I think that if it's gone, we're going to suddenly realize that we miss that. And we're not, our kids are going to be there's going to be the threat of them not being able to have that same experience. And if there's one thing that parents love doing, it's making kids do the shit that they did and trying (laughs) to get them to appreciate it. And I think that you might see a huge injection of money into that industry because all these parents that are in there, a lot of millennials that are having kids a little bit later anyway, they're going to suddenly start really wanting to spend money at movies to take their kids and like show them a good experience. But on the other side of the coin, there's lots of parents that are going to be like, "Ah, it's convenient to just do it at home. So what do I know? But I feel I know that I am stoked to take my kid to the theater when I have the chance. And I just cannot wait for that day.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, 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 you know, I think you're absolutely right about that. And it's exactly like, you know, Tim likened it to record shops. I think there will be some resurgence of like movie and movie theater type experiences. But, I, you know, it's just kind of curious to see how these troubled years go and will things really like die off and then come back or is it just going to get quieter and then come back so we'll we'll have to keep our fingers on the pulse and see where it goes from here mm-hmm. so all right uh and for our final segment on this episode we took a dip we took the uh horror movie yearbook time machine and uh i tinkered around with a few settings on it and made it so that we could jump into different multiverses it and we four visited now. a Yes, we visited a uh, a 2020 <laughs> that uh, had maybe a better outlook in life. Maybe there was a different president in the uh, year 2020 that we went to or, uh, you know, Wesker. generally just yeah president wesker was there and uh the t-virus and and we went to the movies (laughs) yes he made sure that uh that all the movie theaters stayed open for for maximum entertainment yes he was like you must see Candyman in the theaters
1: (laughs) bread and circus wesker knows (laughs) (laughs)
0: so I made a list of 2020 films that had been delayed uh, and so I don't necessarily know exactly how we want to run through this I can go in the order that I went and if anybody has a we're going to review these movies with a line or two about what our thoughts were on them if we had actually been able to see them Um, so (laughs) 2020 films that got delayed let's start with Black Widow did anybody get a chance to see Black Widow
4: I did see Black Widow And it 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 lived up to expectations, but I'm really looking forward to the Blu-ray release, uh, the extended edition called The Minority Report, where Scarlet plays all of the minority characters in addition to (laughs)
0: the title role of the Black Widow. (laughs) (laughs) Should make waves. Perfect. That sounds great. Uh, What about we'll get all the Marvel out of the way. What about the Eternals? Did anybody see the Eternals?
3: I think I did. But I can't remember. It was a fever dream.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, I got a chance to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. And uh, the movie seemed perfectly fine until they showed Ernie Hudson wiping his ass with a picture of Paul Feig. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was it was a weird turn. <laughs> you know what's crazy? About <laughs> what, Oily? Is I, you know what? I,
3: I So I went in and I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I was sitting there and, and a lot of the marketing has been really mysterious, right? It's been kind of like, we know that it's, it's you know, maybe building up to a kind of a return to form, but it, not a lot. We're not really sure what the movie's about. And it, I could not believe that they, that Reitman had the balls to just make it a sequel to the Paul Feig movie. I didn't think he would do it. Um, but <laughs> oh, as soon man. As, dude, as soon as Kristen Wiig showed up, I was like, he's doing it, this crazy bastard. I was really proud of him, actually. I thought it was great um half the theater was like openly weeping um i was laughing the whole time though i was cackling it was great
4: the other half of the theater was just beyond excited about the arrival of uh i think his name's muncher the new ghost who's basically slimer yeah yeah a a star is born
0: (laughs) i think i think i saw a different ghostbusters afterlife than you two did oh The 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 multiverse machine must have broken up at that point or something. Ooh, <laughs> Sorry.
1: I just I'm just combining the two movies in my head, <laughs> 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 where it just gets really meta and Jason Reitman. <laughs> it's just like a Paul Feig really screwed that up. Here's this uh, like hardcore scene of. <laughs> Of Ernie Hudson wiping his ass. <laughs>
4: <laughs> With an old, like, 90s headshot of Paul As, m-
1: as Muncher look,
0: looks on. <laughs>
4: <laughs> as Muncher eats the photo
3: after he's done. Oh, my God.
0: Uh, all right. Did did anybody happen to see Halloween Kills? I bet someone did.
1: Tim, what'd you think? Uh, I didn't. Oh, OK. Just to be put on the spot, I guess I, I did see it. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it reminded <laughs> me a lot of... Hol- it was basically just Halloween 4, but with more violence. I uh, I did like that it tied into the third film, the season of The Witch. <laughs> I liked that it called back to that. And now we can see that there is a Hol- Halloween multiverse that we have been pitching for a while. So what did you think, Willie?
3: Um, I did not expect Danny McBride uh, to pop up. I thought they were going to try and keep him <laughs> behind the scenes. But his... he. You know what, though? What's amazing about it was... I did not like, I, I knew they were going to do some maybe some flashbacks in this one, tie it back to the older one, you know, uh, the 78 movie. I did not think that they would ever have Danny McBride show up as Loomis, as a young Loomis. That really, that was something <laughs> yeah, else. It inspired, was inspired, honestly. It was really good.
0: Yeah. It was
1: really, really good. It, yeah, seriously. And he's amazing. dressed like Kenny Powers, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Loomis used to, used to party. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, beautiful. Um,
4: how about Morbius? Oh, yes. Was really excited about Morbius, lived up to all the hype, and I'm really excited for the forthcoming Blu-ray release, the uh, the, the Snyder cut where Snyder actually stepped in and did extensive reshoots, <laughs> presented us with the, the real, the true, darker, grittier version of Morbius, which is awesome. Can't wait for that to come out. Can't wait for that to see
1: the light of day.
0: What a beautiful future that is. Anybody else, Tim, Willie?
1: I'm waiting for it to
0: hit cable where i can watch
1: the last 15 minutes of it and then pretend like i saw the whole thing (laughs) 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 the way it was meant to be seen
0: (laughs) Uh, you know either that or on an airplane i would think of the (laughs) optimal viewing experiences Willie, did you see morbius or no
3: no i didn't get a chance it looked great though
0: okay good uh tim i feel like you probably saw no time to die
1: Yeah, so, yeah, which release are we pretending this one came out? (laughs) Because it's been, I think it's been coming out since 2017 at this point. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this is a cracking capper on Craig's Bond career, all four and a half hours of it. (laughs) No time to die, no time to live after spending all day in the theater watching this film. Uh, Time is fleeting, though, folks. And we only have so much of it. Make sure to call your loved ones.
4: Are you Are you reading this over the yeah. phone to the, yeah, to everyone, the newspaper I'm, you work at? Yes. Is this is for, for the front page tomorrow.
1: I'm Gene Challet in the multiverse.
0: He's dictating it to the, yes. to the
4: uh, telegraph. Tim's at a payphone. He's reading it to the editor. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: <clears throat> did anybody else see No Time to Die? I
4: did, but I don't want to talk about it now. That was perfect. All right. That's good. I was just surprised that they brought they brought Rami Malek in to to play Freddie Mercury as the villain of
3: the movie. <laughs>
4: it was an interesting
0: choice. It's very strange. Willie, really, what are your thoughts on No Time to Die?
3: The ending was weird. Um, it I just I didn't see I, I didn't expect them to go that route. You know, you've got, you've got Daniel Craig standing across from Rami Malek, the, just destruction and chaos everywhere. And he's beat down, and you think, okay, this is his time to die, right? This is where things really come around full circle from the title. And then, and then, a portal behind him opens up, and it's like, <laughs> holy shit, it's Roger Moore. And then there's this other portal that opens up, and you're like, holy shit, <laughs> it's George Lazenby. And then Timothy Dalton, and then you get the picture. And then, the, and then, at the very end, Remy Malik's terrified, right? And then uh, Connery pokes his head out of a portal. And he's a weird CGI face like uh, Carrie Fisher in Rogue One, but he pokes his head out of the portal and he tosses the gun to Daniel Craig and he says, y'all the man now, dog. And then Daniel Craig shoots (laughs) Rami Malek and it's really sweet. And then they all have an orgy.
0: (laughs) I'm just sitting here wishing I had a convincing Sean Connery because I just want to hear him say on your left.
4: On your left. Pierce would, Pierce would deliver that line. <laughs> Pierce's oh, yeah, voice man. would be the first voice you he hear went, piercing yes. through the void. <laughs> yes.
3: yes. But the portals Beautiful. are like the gun barrel. The portals are shaped like yes. the gun barrel. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's the opening, the opening <laughs> scene. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was visualizing. Right, yeah. right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was crazy. Oh.
4: And they all, in the portal opens and they're not there. They walk into it in profile and then yes. they turn <laughs>
3: yes.
4: and then they walk through it. Yeah. It they, was they, honestly they, breathtaking.
3: They each... <laughs> They each individually shoot Rami Malek in an appendage before yes. Daniel Craig finishes. Yeah, <laughs> And and
4: what was really cool was the overhead shot, and he was in the middle, and the portals had formed a circle around him, and yes. they all just shot him in the center. Yeah, it was beautiful.
0: Oh, I'm crying <laughs> <Yeah>. right now.
4: <laughs> and each portal, and it, the visual metaphor was amazing, because from overhead, the portals looked like the six barrels and like a six-shooter, and it was just, yes. just beautiful filmmaking.
3: Yep,
0: yep. That sounds incredible. I, I hope... Uh, Hope that one comes out in our our timeline. You know, we 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 don't know. Uh how about <laughs> a quiet place part 2? <laughs> I did not see this. Anybody?
4: Yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. I'm just I'm really curious about the upcoming Blu-ray release where it's all <laughs> <laughs> It's all black and white and there's no sound, the entire movie. <laughs> I think it should be really fun
1: to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that the blood and chrome it's yeah. called the it's called the quiet cut, <laughs> the quiet
0: cut. <laughs> uh all right i saw i managed to see top gun maverick and uh it, it was a pretty it was better than i expected a top gun sequel to be you know 30 years later but uh really the collaborative score between Kenny Loggins and Daft Punk is going to be playing in my head for years to come oh yeah <laughs> definitely
3: incredible
4: Yeah, I mean, I went to see it, but myself and literally everyone in the theater that went to see it was all really pissed because we were all under the belief that it was the origin story of Marvel's Maverick and how he became the top gun within the Weapon X program. Mm. And every single one of us (laughs) stood up and was like, no, boo,
0: boo, where's Ryan
4: Reynolds as Deadpool? Boo. And then we all left and got our money back.
0: Man, that sounds, that's rough.
4: Yeah, but you know what?
3: It was a communal experience.
0: <laughs> Anybody cool. else do Top Gun?
3: Yeah, I just didn't think that Anthony Edwards was going to show back up as, like, the <laughs> villain. This was weird. As that's Ghost weird. Rider? I, yeah, it was weird. It was weird, man. Really strange. I thought he died in the first one, right?
4: Yeah. Well, oh. it was really amazing how they went, you know, they... They decided to forego and I because I walked out of it, I did I don't know this for sure. <laughs> but I, I read later that they because they wanted to kind of remember Joe Kaczynski was like I want to kind of throw back to like a bygone era of more practical filmmaking, so they exhumed his corpse and mm, yeah. <laughs> of the, the yeah. dummy of Anthony Edwards' body that was used in the in the movie and just propped mm-hmm. that up in the plane and brought that to life. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs>
0: Tim, did you see Top Gun?
1: <laughs> no, but now that it's like weekend at Bernies, I mean,
4: is it because you thought it was a sequel to Maverick, uh, the Mel Gibson movie?
1: I have we, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's right, because it's just called Maverick, isn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah. This it could be the next installation. We don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, I also got a chance to check out Venom. Let there be carnage, and I think this sequel to Venom needs to win an Oscar. For special effects simply based off of the bounce and volume of woody harrelson's wig <laughs> mm.
1: it was nice that they brought that back for the fans <laughs>
3: <laughs> the true fans
1: yeah th- yeah this was uh my f- uh second favorite comic book movie of the year behind bloodshot because that came out <laughs> in 2020 um <laughs> uh,
4: they so, did it the crazy yeah, but, like, sons I of mean, bitches
1: to sum it up, I mean COVID can't stop Cletus as Woody Harrelson carves out a corner in the canon of creepy criminals as Carnage. This is one circus I'm glad didn't get cancelled in 2020.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh did, did anybody else see Venom Let There Be Carnage?
4: No. I bought the, I bought the soundtrack on oh. iTunes though. <laughs> cuz it featured a system it was basically they brought back all the artists from the Scream 3 soundtrack and just said give us new songs for Venom Let There Be Carnage it's very good oh,
1: shit. and they spelled it n u new
0: i know i know we're all looking forward to dune <clears throat> the new the new one from Denis Villeneuve did anybody see that one
1: i'm not seeing it until you read the book
0: oh <laughs> well you're, you're gonna be waiting a long long time uh I, I saw it and you know when i heard about the orgy scene i thought it would be a little over the top but it turns out that having oscar isaac dave bautista jason momoa josh brolin javier bardem stellan skarsgård and timothy chalamet in one giant nude scene together just really unlocked something in me so
4: Yeah, it's amazing that it was still a box office flop. I don't understand (laughs) why more people wouldn't come out to see that. (laughs)
1: The the David Lynch version of what you just described, Alex, would have been way better.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that's how a lot of people (laughs) felt. Lights, Camera, Jackson said the same thing.
0: (laughs) It sounds more like a like a like a Verhoeven uh, scene. But uh, (laughs) oh, my God, a Verhoeven Dune would be so good. Too steamy. (laughs) Willie, did you see Dune?
3: Uh, I took my dad, and he slept the whole time. <laughs> so, that was
0: it. Uh, t- tough row for Denis out there. Uh, I know the horror movie yearbook boys have been have been waiting for Candyman. So, Willie, wh- what about Candyman? Did you see that one?
3: Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, Tony Todd, you know, what a force.
1: That's all I got.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Tim, did you check it out? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Tony Todd, what a force.
4: <laughs> what about you, Nick? You know, I, I did not go to Candyman because I, I thought it was a sequel to uh, Clint Howard's Ice Cream Man. And then when I saw that it wasn't, I just turned around and left. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. Uh, F9 also came out in alternate 2020, and I was expecting a documentary about keyboard function keys, uh, but I came out of the movie fairly disappointed, even though I got to see Dominic Toretto's 1970s Dodge Charger burst out of the International Space Station and land on the moon.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, with, no, was- with no top.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was that was incredible.
4: By that I mean the car didn't have a top and he was also shirtless.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's my review of Fast 9. Uh John Cena plays Vin Diesel's brother.
0: <laughs> I I want to live in that universe.
4: <laughs> we might have a chance with this with this multiverse machine at our disposal.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's one out there where they're related to each other. Willie, did you see uh, F9?
3: I'm broken. I can't. I can't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, And then Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, I I never really thought that I'd want to see zombie Shea Wiggum enlarged by nuclear energy taking (laughs) on both Godzilla (laughs) and Kong, but this movie delivered that on all fronts.
1: Mecca Shea. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Mecca, Mecca, Wigum. <laughs> oh, any, anybody else see Godzilla vs. Kong?
4: Yeah, How, I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe that ending. Wow. <laughs> you have to see it for yourself. I can't. I can't give anything away.
0: That's fair. Yeah, no spoilers here. Tim, what about you?
1: I didn't see it. <laughs>
0: All right. And then I know, I know, Tim, you wanted oh. to claim Jungle Cruise. I don't know if you if you got a chance to see it while we were in alternate 2020 or not.
1: Well, we've talked about source music many times in the past. And let's just how great like the masters of using it like Tarantino or Scorsese. But let me tell you something. Uh, guy who directed Jungle Cruise and his use of Nothing Else <laughs> Matters by Metallica uh, during, I guess, Rock's wedding scene is I think when they might use it. I don't know when they're going to use it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but wow, that that ranks up there with the best of them. Um, based on my Disney ride movie rankings, this is below the first Pirates, but um, definitely above Tomorrowland because that is. Does anybody remember that shit? <laughs> uh,
4: yeah,
1: that, this is one cruise that I'm glad
0: didn't get canceled in 2020.
1: <laughs>
4: oh man, there it there it is. <laughs>
0: beautiful did i miss any other movies in uh in 2020 alternate 2020 that you guys saw
4: no i think you covered it i mean that was the beauty like in in actual 2020 uh in in our 616 universe we just didn't get to see any but sonic but you know we did get to hit so many and with this machine at our disposal there's a chance we could do that again
0: oh for sure absolutely it was it was good i i need to see i need uh I got to get a subscription to wherever Tim's putting these reviews out because uh, they're, they're pretty good. I want to I want to make sure that I stay up on Tim's latest movie reviews from the alternate. Yeah,
4: the uh, very alliterative alliterative movie reviews. <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs> I saved the A material for the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. So. <laughs> so.
0: Well, I appreciate it, and I I hope our listeners do as well. Uh, You know, I think in the future, going forward, in real 2021, we would like to be doing more of these, so please keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. Uh, We will be back with more film nerds in 2021. Um, But for now, uh, thank you guys very much for joining me today. This was a great pleasure, and it's nice to get back together and talk about movies with you guys. Absolutely. yeah. Uh, Tim and Willie, what's up next on Horror Movie Yearbook?
1: We are doing the worst of the franchise. I, I haven't come up with a – I mean, it was going to be called the worst of the worst, but I basically what we're doing is we're doing a bracket where we're taking the lowest rated movies in horror – some of the horror – big horror franchises like Friday the 13th and Halloween – and we are going to try to figure out what is the absolute worst movie in all of these franchises. So we're going to match them up and we're not going to be picking the best one. We're going to be matching up, say, Halloween um, Resurrection versus Friday the 13th, Jason Goes to Hell. And we're picking which of those two is the worst. And that will move on to the next round. So we are celebrating the badness of some of these movies.
0: That sounds fantastic. I'm excited to hear it myself. Um I know that the Midwest Game Nerds podcast will be talking about The Medium, which is a new game from the team, Bluebird team, which brought out the uh, Blair Witch game that came out a few years ago. Uh, It's a horror game and it's an exclusive to Xbox, so please check it out on PC or Xbox before you listen to our show. We're also going to potentially talk a little bit about Werewolf, which is based off of the old tabletop RPG. I know John wanted to check that one out, so Uh, The Midwest Game Nerds and Horror Movie Yearbook will be out at some point next week. But until next time with the Midwest Film Nerds, Kyle XY, and go watch a movie.